Welcome to Sex Unshackled. I am Becky Krepsley Fox, and this podcast is where sexuality and spirituality meet. Today on Sex Unshackled, I have Rebecca Wilson with me. Rebecca facilitates shamanic room healing and writes blessings, as well as being the founder of Womb Connection Healing Awakening. Rebecca is a spirit baby and birth doula, room keeper and room healer, and I am absolutely just delighted to have her here with me today. Rebecca, can you please tell the listeners what brought you to this work? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. It's so beautiful to share space together. Um, so my journey into womb healing really began with my menstrual cycle, or a lack of it. Um, after being on the contraceptive pill for many years and then coming off that and just having a really challenging time with kind of the transition or the integration, the reintegration of coming back into my natural cycle. Um, so coming off the pill after you know maybe a decade of being on it and then not having a bleed for nearly two years uh, it was just a really stressful time on my body, my emotions, and so on. So that really was the entry point for me into looking at how I could heal my womb, my menstrual cycle, um, my health. Uh, it started with many different areas of like nutrition and meditation and yoga and uh, balancing out my hormones. And really that was um, the top layer. And as that layer uh, began to settle, shall we say, a new layer presented itself and then again and then again and then again. And, and um, just like most aspects of our healing, right, there's all of these different layers. And, um, and so each, each time there's an unraveling and unlayering and a deepening into into my womb, um, which now is like this you know, profound creative portal that I work with. But that's been a journey, of course, of all of these different uh, spaces and energies and layers that I've worked through over the years. Um, yeah, that was the entry point and this is where I am now. <laughs> yeah, that's so beautiful. And I love what you're talking about, about layers, because, mm -hmm. you know, this work and healing is just never ending. <laughs> It just keeps on going and you learn more about yourself. And as you say, you find another layer to go in. And that's what I love about this because it just mm. continues. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to discuss womb healing, sexuality and cycles. So mm. Rebecca, I was hoping you could tell the listeners a bit about what womb healing is. Yeah, of course. So womb healing in the way that I work is healing any kind of blockage, emotion pattern, imprint, belief system, uh, trauma that has been held, stored, or trapped within the womb space. So if we look at the energy centers of the body, the womb is the sacral. The sacral energy center is all about relationship, family, sexuality, which you know, is kind of part of that relational dynamic. Um, so really it's everything because we are in relationship to everything and everyone. So 
some of those relationships are deeper and more intimate, but we're, we're in some kind of relating experience with ourselves, with others, with friends, with family members, even with somebody that you just pass by or have a moment of connection with, there's a moment of relating. So it's all here in this, this center. And so often not looked at or not felt or not experienced. And what I've seen through you know, culture and conditioning is very much that this space is avoided or disassociated from, even down to like uh, young women being put on the pill at a very young age and not having those first years of really understanding their cycles and their inner rhythms. Um, and then this complete like disassociation from that, that center as you know, the menstrual cycle is wrong or it's taboo or it's shameful or it's an annoyance. Uh, it doesn't fit in with the linear goal-driven expectation of life. And so womb healing is really about coming into this space again. So it's really a journey of remembering, first of all, that we have a womb, reconnecting to our inner cycles, our inner seasons, connecting to our emotions. It's the hips, the pelvis, it's the center of emotion reconnecting to the relationship we have or maybe haven't had with ourselves and rebuilding that and then in turn rebuilding relationship outside of ourselves with family friends partnerships work colleagues so on and that all happens through the unraveling of the imprints energies experiences information that we've taken on and stored in this center uh, yeah yeah. And I really get what you're saying about this kind of dissociation um, from the womb space. And it's something that I have done a lot and still currently I'm doing, to be honest, because um, I'm someone who experiences debilitating period pain, like absolutely debilitating. So I was on the pill. I still am, but I was on the pill for 10 years and then I came off it, um, you know, for health and you know just so that everything can regulate normally but I just found it too painful and I had to go back on it so now I'm on the mini pill um, which is you know slightly less kind of strong than the combined pill that I was on before and I to be honest really don't want to be putting these hormones into my body but I'm so worried about the pain that just having because I know I don't have a bleed because I'm on the mini pill so it just carries on and you know part of me is like well it's great I don't need to think about it I don't need to go through it but the other part of me is thinking no I really need to get this sorted mm, yeah I really hear you so you know every every part of our maturation process every part of our life we have a specific energetic emotional physical um, what I would call rite of passage to walk through or a transitional gateway. Mm. And our first lead or our first leading years up to the first five years of menstruation are really that journey of initiation, of uh, transformation, of a rite of passage. We are transitioning from a non-fertile girl to a fertile woman. And that can take around two to five years for that cycle to really settle. Unfortunately, that, that time isn't held in the way it needs to be, I believe, in my belief anyway, 
or the way that it really um, would be supportive for young women at that point in their, their life with, with all of these conditions and all of these kind of like external informations just being placed upon women at all points in their life, but very much at that point. So it's, it's, it's imprinted that, you know, oh, just use, you know, even the Tampax advert, it's just like, oh, just pop this up there and you won't even know you're breathing. Like, what is that about? So it's like, let's do everything to hide this. Yeah. So there's shame, there's deep shame rooted in the fact that we bleed as women. Yeah. And when that rite of passage isn't held um, with the tenderness that's needed through, like when we walk through any rite of passage, uh, it gets ignored and it gets pushed aside and all of those things that we're feeling inside, we push into the shadows and we don't allow to be in our conscious awareness. Mm. And that whole journey isn't supported when young women are just put on the pill, they don't have those first initial um, settling in years. So what happens is young women, young girls put on the pill and then they might be on the pill for a decade, you know, even some women for like 20 years and then they come off the pill and you have to walk through that rite of passage. So at 20 or 30 or 40 years old, you are 16 again. You are going through your first bleeding years because you are not having a bleed when you are on any kind of contraception. You are in a withdrawal bleed because you are withdrawing from the hormones of the pill or the injection or the implant. It's not a true cycle. It's not a real menstruation. So what happens is the body has not been bleeding for 10, 20, 30 years, something like that. And so when women come off it, they'll be like, oh, I'm getting acne, I've got greasy skin, I've got pain. And it's like, yeah, your body thinks that you're a teenager again. And you're having to go through that settling hormonal part of your journey. Wow. Mm. That's terrifying <laughs> and fascinating both yes. at the same time. Wow. You cannot bypass it. It's nature. Yeah. Wow. And I love what you're saying about um, people going through this process, needing extra support that really isn't given or typically isn't given. Mm. And I'm wondering if there are any parents listening or even friends listening who might be friends of people who are going through this process, either um, as a young woman or as an adult, you know, after they've come off the contraceptive pill, for example, if there's anything that they can do to support the person going through this process. Yeah, so we've lost ritual and we've lost ceremony in, in our modern day culture. And I really feel like the return of that is essential for the rite of passage. You know, a rite of passage is birth, death, bleed, birthing if a woman gives birth. And that may be to a life or own, or it may be to a creative project or something that she birthed. And uh, death, that's what we've got. But these are, these are all gateways of, of right, rites of passage. And that we've just lost ritual, we've lost ceremony, we've lost connection to these times, these experiences, right? We only have to look at like Monarch, the first bleed, and see that it, it's like, oh, you've got your bleed now, use the pad, use the tampax, don't tell anyone, it's shameful, hide it. Like, how were we held at that point in our journey? Whether, um, you know, the, a woman is 
at of a more mature age and looking back at that point in her life, whether somebody's listening and they know that their daughter or their niece or their friend's daughter may be coming into her bleeding years, just thinking how can that be honoured? So sharing conversations and stories about the power of menstruation, why we need it as women, why we are cyclical in nature, why our menstruation represents the seasons of nature, the seasons of our external world, how we are part of a greater tapestry of all that, that it isn't shameful, that it's beautiful, that she's growing into her power, her wisdom, she's growing into her creative years, um, and maybe honoring it with like a ceremony, an art ceremony, a dance ceremony, a tea ceremony, an honoring of weed ceremony, anything like that that feels, you know, sometimes um, women like to mark the ceremony with like a piece of jewelry or, you know, they make, make jewelry together as like an honoring of the young woman walking through that passage. And for women that feel like they didn't have that at their time of first bleeding years, then yeah, you can do that at any point, right? You can go back into our inner archetype of our maiden at 70 years old, 80 years old, and honor that part of us that possibly was not held in the sacredness that was needed at that moment of huge transition. I love that. I think that is so beautiful. And, mm -hmm. you know, it is a, it's, it's going to take a cultural shift, right, for us to stop shying away from this and instead of praising it and thinking that it's something beautiful, um, which it is, really, it is something beautiful. And I don't know if you're if you know much or if you're interested in kind of free bleeding, but it's something that I've been reading about a little bit about um, just for the listeners. So what I've been reading about is when you are bleeding, maybe kind of sitting on the earth and allowing the blood to kind of go back to nature. And I think that sounds wonderful. Is that something you know anything or much about? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, just to speak into the sacredness of the bleed, because nobody would be here if women didn't menstruate. Yes, exactly. There would be no life. <laughs> so without menstruation, which is a form of death because it's a shedding of the womb lining and a dying of one cycle to start anew. So we can see this in a broader spectrum, like without death, there's no life. And without life, there's no death. The two are symbiotic hand in hand, one unit, two expressions of the same thing. They cannot be separated. So it's the same principle or the same energetic. Like if a woman is not breathing and not going through her cycle of pre-ovulation, ovulation, pre-menstruation, menstruation, she's not in a fertile cycle. So she cannot conceive, she cannot create. So you, I, everybody listening would not be here without the full cycle of, the, of a woman's womb. Yes. Um, and yeah, to speak into the free bleeding, it's something that I often do. I very rarely use any kind of product. So I'll just bleed onto a towel when I'm in my house, I have a full of towel, or um, I will use reusable pads if I'm kind of out and about. I generally like the rest on my first and second day of my bleed. So I'm not really out active doing many things at all. Um, when it's available to be in nature, I'm going to sit on the earth and just bleed onto the grass or the ground. If not, I maybe catch my blood in a jar and then go pour it onto the earth as a ritual and an offering. 
because of course some people live in, in a city right and yeah it's hard yeah <laughs> yeah they might not want to expose that that vulnerable kind of very deep part of themselves because when we're breeding we're in a very yin energetic feel very inward and soft even going outside sometimes for myself feels like that's too much you know I just have two or three days in hibernation mm-hmm. um so yeah collecting the blood and then offering it to the earth in a ritual going back to the mother uh, to complete the cycle mm-hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. so just cycling back a little bit to the blockages in the womb we were speaking out a, a little bit before. Um, how would people know if they have blockages in the womb? Mm, yeah. So usually there's many different layers, of course, as we come into that thread again. The top kind of layer would be like um, menstrual cycle issues. So very heavy periods, very painful periods, which have been quite normalized. Like, oh, you just get pain when you bleed. Not actually normal. Mm. quote unquote and you know whatever normal means but it is not a healthy part uh, manifestation of the cycle to have incredible pain uh maybe no bleeding maybe lack of ovulation maybe pains cramps uh, all of the labels like uh, premenstrual disorder or syndrome or kind of very intense fluctuations in uh, emotion anger, rage, frustration uh, in that premenstrual time, all signs of um, an energetic block, emotional block, then it might come down to a more subtle, so it may feel like for anyone who has a deeper awareness of their internal world, you might feel blocks or tensions in certain parts of the womb or the belly, you might not be fully bleeding, um, like not a full release of the blood, spotting before, so two or three days of spotting and then you get your bleed. It's always a sign that something is being held on to and there's not wanting to let go. So the wound's like holding on, holding on, holding on, just like a little spot, little spot, little spot, and then it can't hold on anymore because nature needs to do what it does. Or not a completion of cycles, so getting old blood, spotting throughout the cycle or old blood coming through before the fresh blood at the next cycle are all kind of uh yeah physical manifestations of energy and emotional blockages Mm -hmm. and am i right in thinking that for people who have gone through a hysterectomy there can still be healing done within the womb space oh yeah so often i speak to it as a space and that really broadens up the energy the language around which can be very limiting around it being a space, that it's an energy space. So even when the physical organ has been taken out, there's still an energetic imprint in that space. And there can be a great deal of trauma around that organ needing to be or having to be taken out, and we can heal that. Some of the most profound work I've done with women who have had hysterectomies, women who have been in their 70s and not had a wound for like 30, 40 years, and then kind of gone on a big journey of awakening and realized that they had the wound taken out and that wasn't really a choice they wanted. It was just what was done and just the profound reconnection to that space and that energy and that feminine center um, through through healing, yeah, the wound. Yeah. 
And I'm wondering how we can kind of link this back to sex and sexuality. So would blockages in the womb, could they have a knock-on effect to sexuality as well? Yeah, so that's another way that it can manifest. So blockages and uh, in of energy and emotion in the womb could be lack of um, like a, a low sex uh, sexual drive, lack of libido, lack of juiciness, pain in pleasure, pain in intercourse, um, discomfort. Any of those like physical manifestations, maybe it's just not a desire or intimacy with self or other, maybe it could manifest as um, like a disgust or a shame around sexuality, about the expression of that energy, which of course is uh, just our primal life force, sensual and sexual energy is what we're all created from. So again, without that, nobody would be here. Mm. So it's an interesting um, like split that happened in that energy because Without it, nobody would be here. Creation wouldn't happen. But as soon as we're created from it, there's then this deep shame and deep imprint placed upon it as being sinful and wrong and dirty and less than. And so we're carrying this juxtaposition inside of ourselves of like, I'm created from this, but this thing is wrong, which must mean that I am inherently wrong. Yes. And there is the deepest core wound that we carry as humans. I shouldn't be here, I am not enough, I am not worthy, something is wrong with me. Yeah, everything you're saying is so profound and I think I could just listen to you all day. <laughs> I think this is just fascinating and you articulate it so well. Yeah, and I guess sexual trauma um, or any type of trauma potentially, but maybe would that be right? The sexual trauma as well would definitely have, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's such an interesting um, space to explore because even the word trauma without sexual in front of it, trauma is such a loaded word. And of course, sexual trauma, it's such a loaded um, experience that people really go to the extremes in or, and place it there. Oh, I've I'm, I'm not experienced any trauma. And it's like, because I've not had the, 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 the like so-and-so. Yes. And so we belittle or deny our own traumatic experiences. We may have that condition in that sexual trauma is rape and only rape. But actually sexual trauma is comes in many different forms and in many different ways. So subtle sometimes because it's just the conditioning of society and how we, as women have been taught to um, allow or accept and not deny that some acts of um, behavior towards us, oh no, well that isn't that, but actually it is sexual assault or it is trauma or it is abuse. It doesn't even have to be physical or touch, you know? Yeah. Just that energy or an action towards it is a trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I really noticed that when working with clients that people downplay their trauma because they're comparing it to bigger traumas that they have seen in the world. And um, yeah, it's it doesn't mean the body doesn't feel it. Whether you kind of brush over it or not, the body is still taking it on board. The body mm -hmm. still feels it. 
Yeah, and it's that is obviously a form of disassociation and disembodiment. And it's also a form of placing those experiences in the shadow aspects of ourselves. So what I mean by that is like the hidden corners in our soul and our psyche. Like, oh, there's a cupboard there. I'm just going to put that there, close the door and never look at it again because it's not as big as or important as everybody else's. But what happens there is we fragment ourselves so we're not living in wholeness. We disassociate, we deny those aspects of ourselves and hide them in the cupboard. And we don't allow ourselves to feel them. And if we don't feel them, acknowledge them, be with them, we cannot integrate them. So we can't operate from a space of fullness or wholeness. It also means that the external experience of those things which we hide inside of ourselves, we deny and suppress and push away too. So we'll push away that in, in Society, in other people, uh, we may not be able to hold or be in a space when somebody else is talking about something that lives somewhere within inside us that's in the hidden cupboard. Mm. Yes. And if the listeners are listening to this and they're thinking, oh, that sounds like me, or wow, I definitely have some work to do on, on my room, would there be, you know, one or two things they could do safely at home to kind of start this process? Yeah, yeah. Simplicity is always key and the most profound. So bringing the hands to the heart, bringing the hands to the womb and just sitting in meditation and just changing the position of the hands and noticing how that feels. You know, very often we can put our hands on our legs or wherever. If we just bring our hands with a gentle loving touch and hold the womb and breathe into that space in a 10 minute meditation or even listening to a nice piece of music for 10 minutes hands on womb, breathing, uh, that's a great place to start. Yeah, so I think the idea is about um, acknowledging the womb, right? It's bringing attention there, bringing focus there, and that's the start of the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wherever our hands tend to go, it tends to be like what we're feeling into. You know, we can see that in our natural responses. If somebody would say something to us that hurt our heart, we'd be like, and we'd be like, oh, like touch the heart like oh that hurt a little bit so the same can be in a you know in a, a practice of awareness wherever we place our hands we're bringing awareness to that part of our body so we can consciously drop deeper into the heart by bringing the hands to the heart we can consciously bring our hands to the womb and almost we're telling our body like oh we're going there now we're going to breathe into our womb yeah with a safe and, and tender touch that maybe hasn't been placed there before and that alone can stir a, a huge unraveling. And I'm not sure if this is anything um, which you were interested in. Um, it's just something that came, came to me. So I know that some people are doing quite a lot of work on the cervix and they have these um, wands um, that mm -hmm. they insert through the vagina to get rid of kind of like tension around the cervix. Because again, that's another space where there can be a lot of kind of trauma and pain and tension. Is that linked to what we're talking about? about the womb as well or is that something else yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I yeah. work with all of those kind of spaces so the yoni the g-spot the cervix the cervix is very deeply connected to the heart so usually mm. when the heart is blocked or closed or holding pain and grief and it's not flowing then the cervix is tight because what happens is it closes in fear or in pain or in grief Mm. This is the number one thing that happens when women are birthing their children. 
the cervix doesn't dilate and open because there is some kind of fear or the heart is like closed down. Bisexual arousal is great in for birthing people because it opens and stimulates the sexual area, relaxes everything, the cervix opens, the yoni relaxes, the baby comes out. Yes, I love that. So that's hypnobirthing, isn't it? And um, people can have orgasms from giving birth. I think that is just amazing yeah. I want to learn how to do that if I ever have a child that's definitely the way I'm going <laughs> well we just learn by having orgasms in our pleasure practice and then it's mm-hmm. all, all available it's, a, it's just an opening up of the energetic channels of the body side because an orgasm is just a movement of energy yeah really it doesn't have to be located to one specific zone or area we want to if we really want to open ourselves up to like the great cosmic orgasm the orgasm moves through the whole body because all of the channels mm-hmm. are open and then it's like a experience rather than a located in one particular spot or zone yeah so i actually teach um full body breath orgasm so i guess what you're talking about mm-hmm. is the same thing but yeah. just a stronger variation so that you are really into the pleasure instead of feeling the contractions yeah. and the pain so yeah, um, yeah. yeah that's breathing, really fascinating. Sure you, you teach that, like breathing into the, the breathing. contraction, mm. and then that allows a softening into. So e- we can even open into a point of contraction, right? We don't have to contract into the contraction, but we don't have to eliminate the contraction as as like something that's wrong. It's part of the process. Our whole experience of life is a contraction and an ex- um, expansion. The we are imprinted with that if we are vaginally born because we are contracted around and expanded in our point of birth. What we can do is open to the contraction rather than closing to it. And that brings a whole different experience. We're not denying the pain or the shadow or the grief or the upset or the contracted state, but we're staying open to the experience. We're not closing to it. Yeah, that's fascinating. I went to this Tantra festival and one of the teachers was saying about how all of our kind of physical responses, they're all the same, basically. They're all a contraction. So if you're being sick, it's the same as if you're orgasming, the same as if you're sneezing or laughing. And the body's kind of responding in the same way, yet we associate some of these kind of behaviors as positive, you know, orgasming, laughing, and negative, you know, being sick. When actually the body is responding and pretty much the same way for all of those experiences yeah yeah and I work very much in the space of like how we've been born creates creates the blueprint for our experience in life so I've worked with many women who have been belly birthed so they've been birthed through c-section and they've not had that contraction and expansion experience through the birth of their mother's vagina and um, it shows up in how they um, respond to the experience of the life that moves in a contraction and expansion. Wow. I honestly, this podcast could go on for hours, but I I am going to round it up just to keep that boundary of the half an hour. Um, So, wow, I'm definitely going to book in with you firstly, but how can the listeners kind of find you and book in with you and things like that? Yeah, so they can find me on my website, which is rebecca-wilson.com. Or I'm on Instagram at Rebecca underscore Wilson underscore. And yeah, I share all of my um, offerings there. There's many different points of entry, whether it's a one-to-one or a, a do group circles. I run courses. Um, and then when the world opens up, it's called mm-hmm. retreats. So yeah, it's all there. 
Amazing. Well, I'm going to pop all that info in the show notes page. And mm -hmm. it has been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me.